Last Sunday, we had an interesting, uh, I thought we had a great time in, in service last week. We talked about persecution. At about 10.30 in the morning, we were talking about being persecuted, the, the people coming against the church. Exact same time, there was a shooting happening. At 9.30 when we started our service, there was a shooting happening in Texas at a small church. And uh, boy, it just it rocked people's worlds. You know, we're, we're, we're always looking, the, the, asking the why. Um, was that persecution because they were Christians? It doesn't look like it. But, but persecution nonetheless. I know of one family in, in, in Texas who had six people in the church who died. It's a small town. I mean, it's a small town. A lot of people are related, so it's not that surprised. Six people. So, of course, they're, they're doing a fundraiser um, to help pay for six funerals for this person who's lost everyone in the family. Of course, you, you probably remember the night, if you got it in the night, if not the morning, that you heard about the gunshots at the concert in Las Vegas. And um, we had uh, some people from our church who were at that concert that night. They had left 45 minutes. They left, I think, about nine. Uh, one, one concert before the shooting started. They were in their in the, in a room in their rooms when the shooting started. And, and even for them, they were there. They had friends that were there at the at the time. It, that rocked everyone's world. We're still waiting for an answer. In fact. That one, more than, than last week's shooting, we understand last week's shooting, of course, there's going to be, mental illness is going to be involved in every one of these things to some degree, I believe. But, but we understand that the, the shooter from the church's ex-wife's family was at the church and it might have been targeted all because of that. You know, we're not going to go into conspiracy theories of why Vegas happened, but, but we're all kind of going, okay, how come we don't know more yet? They're trying to figure it out, eventually we'll know. We're going, what would... What would cause somebody to do any of these evils? They're finding me in my grave. Anything that's happening. These shootings, the, the, the anger, and, 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 it's, and it's, I think I heard it right here. We're looking for the reason, and we're going to talk about the reason this morning. It's called evil. Evil. We live in a fallen world. Evil is on the loose. Now, evil is not a, a, con, a human construct. Evil is not just thinking. Evil comes from the evil one himself, Satan. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, Satan this morning. Now, we're going to talk about it. We're gonna, I'm going to do some teaching. I want us to know what we're talking about when we talk about demons and Satan. So there's going to be a teaching involved in this so that we can understand what's happening a little bit. It's important that we know that it's not um, just an idea. Evil is not an idea, but comes from a person. The Bible talks about who this Satan is, and we're going to uh, get into that some this morning. Um, whether there's uh, hu humanity involved, yes, there's there's mental illness involved in a lot of these things. Yes, there is pride. Um, there is all of these things. Why does one nation go to war against another? There are, are real things that we could pinpoint, but behind all of that still comes the enemy of our souls. And as Christians, it's important that we understand that evil the devil, demons exist and are part of the world that we live in. Now, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to focus on whatever is good, whatever is lovely. And for the most part, that's what we, we want to do. 
but we don't want to be ignorant of the, the, the enemy's schemes and his plans. So that's why this morning we're going to talk about that. Now, the Bible uh, talks at least three times more about angels than it does about demons. Okay, isn't that interesting? It's almost exactly three times more, and we, we're going to find out today that, that there's a third of the angels in heaven were cast down and became demons. And so we spend more time talking about angels and the good things than we do about the enemy. We're, we're, believe it or not, we're in First Peter, right on target. So go with me to First Peter. If we were to handle this in a classroom setting, we would divide it up into many, many weeks. Um, but we're going to give a kind of an overview of this topic this morning. Want to try that one? I can try that one and see if that's even better. First uh, Peter chapter five. We're we're going to skip the be the beginning. In fact, I thought this is a great time. I'm going to go with the. I'm going to spend some time talking with our elders and leaders about that first section. So it's talking about elders, uh, leaders. But we're going to go to uh, start in verse five. But we're going to really um, focus on verse eight this morning. Likewise, actually, we're going to skip five also. Um, let's just go straight. Uh, we'll, we'll go to six. I'm trying to tie it. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You can probably turn the volume down, just make sure the recording level is high. Um, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. These are very wonderful scriptures. They should be memory verses for us that we can cast our cares upon Jesus. He cares for us. Uh, but it goes right in. It says, number, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So here we go. We're talking about, we've got all these things we've been learning in First Peter, and now we're, we're right jumping right into the, our adversary, the devil. And it says the very first part, be sober and be vigilant. We've already talked two different messages, two different messages about being sober, sober-minded. This call, the whole book of First Peter, keeps bringing us back to, as Christians, we have a, a duty and it, we have to understand that we have to be right-minded. We have to be sober-minded. We have to be thoughtful people. We have to be alert about what's happening in our lives and in the world around us because as Christians, we are called to lift high the name of Jesus and also to understand our enemy says, so we're supposed to have that sober-mindedness, clear thinking. And this is to be vigilant, to be vigilant. Um, I'm sure that in the last year or so, and, and, and maybe all the way back to 2001 and September 11, that when you go to large places, when you, the more we hear about shootings, if you've ever lived in an in a, in a inner city, if you've ever had to walk down a dark alley, you know what being vigilant is like. We're supposed to be vigilant. It doesn't mean we're supposed to be afraid. It means we're supposed to be vigilant. We're supposed to be aware of our surroundings. We're supposed to be taking watch and taking um, assessment of everything happening. And this is what the scriptures are telling us as Christians. Christians are not supposed to be mamby-pamby weak. Whatever happens, we just go, oh, praise the Lord. We're supposed to be sober-minded and vigilant because there is an enemy who actually wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he's real. We're going to talk about that. 
this morning. And so he, Peter's saying, we need to be sober and vigilant. Why? Because the adversary. Now, we're going to cover a number of names of the devil, names and things that he covers, and one of them is the adversary. And, you know, how many people in this room could say, in my life, I have an adversary besides the devil? Now, some of you would say, yep, I got one. Most of us probably wouldn't go, I don't really have an adversary. Have I had problems in my life? Sure, I've had problems. I've had people not like me. Can you believe it? There's people that don't like me. Yes, I've had that. Has there been people that I didn't like? Absolutely. Have I played chess against somebody, and during that game, they were my adversary? Yes, during the game. Have I ever had somebody in my life that was my adversary? I don't think so. But we are reminded and, and, and told we have an adversary. Now, if you've fought in war, if you've come out of a gang life, you've had an adversary. Somebody who didn't matter what you looked like, how nice you were, how forgiving you were, they didn't like you. And just didn't like you. They wanted to see harm come to you. That's us with the devil. Some people think that if you just are kind of mellow and don't really tick the devil off, that he'll leave you alone. No, he's already got you where he wants you. He hates you. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. Satan hates everything to do with God, so he hates you. He hates me. So, Christians, we need to be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In the Old Testament, there's five mentions of Satan. In the New Testament, there's more than seven. And, and, and Bible scholars don't know for sure, of course, when we study the Bible, theologians, and do, when, we, when we study the Bible, we, we come up with these things and we go, well, then we make a supposition. One of the things we believe is the Scripture said that when, when Jesus Christ came, when the Messiah would come, even in the very beginning, think back to Genesis, when God is cursing the snake, the serpent, who was Satan. He says, I'll put enmity between you and the offspring. He will he will crush your head, he will strike his heel, bruise your head. That right there was the beginning of the of, of the battle. When Jesus Christ came into this world, he began a new thing, a new time. And we find a lot more demonic activity in the New Testament. So we are living in New Testament times. There's an enemy who walks about seeking whom he may devour. So, talk a little bit about, about Satan. What do we know about Satan? Um, he's given a lot of different names in the Bible. We believe the Bible says in Isaiah um, and Ezekiel both, talks about that he was a cherub. He was covering the throne of God. He was a created angel himself. Now, I don't know how an angel who was in the presence of God, why they would fall, why they would choose to rebel. But if we, let's go ahead and go to Isaiah. We have 14. We're going to... 
little tidbits of fun things we're, we're going to find in 12. Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Lucifer is one of the names given in the Bible that's actually uh, a Latin construct of, of the name that just means bright morning star, bright star, bright shining. In fact, it, it, it comes from the same root word where hallelujah comes from. And I'm like, well, that's kind of confusing. See, we want Lucifer to be a bad name. Lucifer, hallelujah, means to shine. Halal is, is, is the root on that. It means to shine forth, to make bright. To, to show. Well, in, in, the, in the Hebrew, that, that was the word halil. And so Lucifer was the bright morning star. He was showy. He was glorious. He was radiant. So the name Lucifer actually was talking, describing his glory, what he looked like. The Bible says that he masquerades as an angel of death. All the, the, the thoughts of demons looking, looking ugly with the, the, the pointed tail and the horns and all of those things, you know, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He comes to deceive us. One of his names is, besides the adversary, he's also called the deceiver. So he fell from heaven. Now, now, quickly, and we can go if you want to go, we have more discussions on this. God created everything good. In the beginning, God created. Everything that God created was good. And angels were created by God. They were good. At some point, after God created the angels, when Satan, Lucifer, the cherub, chose to rebel against God. And these are called the five I wills of Satan. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the Most High. Satan put in his heart to rebel. That's a hard one to, to explain and understand. I can't explain it because I don't even understand it. The only thing I can come is, is from reading and studying what other people who've, who've gone before said. The evil in Satan came from within himself. Somehow it was self-made because God created him as a good angel and he chose to rebel chose to rebel. So at the time, we find in, 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 in Revelation, there's a, the scriptures that talk about that, that he took a third of the angels with him when he was cast down to earth. So that there are innumerable demons living, living in the world, living on this planet. Now, it goes on, and, and we even find from the book of Jude that some of the demons that were cast down are actually already in chains and can't do anything. And I, I'm, when I get to heaven, you say, what did they do that they're already in chains? Because today, the enemy, Satan, is not bound. The demons that we come up against and, and deal with in the spiritual realm, they're not bound. But there are some demons that are already bound in captivity as we speak. And I, I look at Mickey and you know, they, they, I don't know if you've ever thought about that and read those scriptures. And this is kind of like, wow, 
This is, this is what we're up against. Demons, the devil, Satan, who hates us. Jesus, in case you're wondering about this, Jesus authenticated the idea of demons. He cast out demons. He, he uh, many times cast out demons. In the Great Commission, he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptize people, and cast out demons. We're told that that's actually part of a believer's life to cast out demons. Anyone ever have that privilege? Not a, it, it is a privilege, I guess. I have come in contact with, at the least, four demon-possessed people. Now, I think we've come in contact with people who have demons on them all the time because there's a lot of spiritual activity. One in Ukraine, one in Guatemala, and two in the United States. One was in Oakdale, and one in, in absolutely demonic, demonic activity. All the stuff that you've ever heard about demons doing, writhing on the ground, flopping around one second, then sitting in a chair, completely lucid, wondering why you're praying over them, cursing and talking with strange voices. I tell you, it's not something you're jumping up and down to wanting to find out. Um, but the Bible teaches that as Christians, we're supposed to be ready and understanding that we're going to come across demons. Now, so you're visiting today and you're like, I am never going to that church. I, I get that. In fact, I, I was going, you know, here we are. It's kind of visitor Sunday. We're going to have a great potluck. And this is the message we're going to talk about. But listen, we preach the Bible from beginning to end. And this is absolutely scriptural. We just don't always want to go here. And there is... There's plenty to go. In addition to um, Jesus in Acts chapter 8, Philip had an encounter and there was demonic uh, de demons happening there. Um, I'm just going to go there real quick, starting in verse 6. I'm going to have to move quick because I want to get to the, the good parts of this. Some of you... I have a feeling some of you want to, are already going, I want Pastor Rob to tell me about his demon story someday. We'll sit down during lunch and talk about that. And Acts chapter 8, sorry, verse 6. Um, when what you read in the Bible in the book of Acts becomes present in, in, in front of you, it's very interesting. And the multitudes with one accord heeded these things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So it happened in the book of Acts after Jesus. It happened in, in uh, Acts chapter 16. There was a woman possessed with a spirit of divination. She was following her disciples around going, listen to them. These are men of God proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Paul got so tired of it, he just cast a demon out of her. And it caused problems because she was a, she was a, a diviner, a soothsayer. She was the local tarot card reader. By the way, tarot cards are not of God. These are things that we as Christians should never have anything to do with. And it caused problems because all the people who made money from her divining lost their, their life. Acts chapter 19 was the son of a, uh, was the story of Sceva, who was a Jewish priest. He had seven sons. And apparently, 
multiple people were going around at the time trying to cast out demons. And these seven guys thought, hey, let's go cast out some demons. And so they came across some demons. And they, this guy was demon-possessed. And they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we come out. And, and I, I love this response. This is important for us. The demon said through the, through the man who was possessed, Jesus I know. Paul I've heard of. Who are you? And the demon-possessed man overtook, overcame the seven men, beat them all up, and they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Okay. Jesus comes across the, um, the demon-possessed man in, in, the, in the tombs of the, the gatherings. And it, it, uh, he comes up, and the de demon-possessed person runs up, and why are you here? It's not our time yet. And apparently this guy was a lunatic. They just thought he was crazy. They would chain him up, and he would break the chains. No man could bound, bind him. One of the things we find, that when you read the Bible, you go, wow, that's, wow, that's interesting. Stop and go, wait a second. What does that mean? One guy beats up seven. Another guy breaks chains and fetters and cannot be bound. Demons actually, when they take somebody, have strength that is above, above average, as much above normal. So, so these, this, this is what happened. Jesus cast out the, the demon there, and the demon wants to go, and he says, don't send us yet to hell. And uh, that's the one time it is okay to say go to hell, I guess, is when you're casting out a demon and you tell them. And so he let them go into the swine. You also see that apparently some demons want to take the form of man. Right? They, they come and possess. Okay. The Lucifer, one of the names of Satan. His title in heaven before his rebellion. He's also named Satan. Used 56 times in the Old and New Testament to name Satan. Um, he wants to hinder everything that God wants to do. He's opposed to every person and everything. He's called the devil. Revelation 22 uses, uses it. He says, the devil. And laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. He talks about. So we, we have the same enemy who's called Satan, the devil, serpent, and even the dragon. When you're reading the Bible, some of your versions incorrectly translate devil. There's a word in the New Testament that's, that's daemon. Daemon, D-A-I-M-O-N is the Greek transliteration. And unfortunately, some of the translations have called that devil or devils. It's important to know there's one devil. There's one. And, and uh, let me ask this question. Of what is the opposite of God? Anyone? Huh? Antichrist? Some people would say the devil. Now, all those who were afraid to say that maybe remember when I got you last time. Opposite of hot? Cold, right? Opposite of up? Down. Opposite of God? The devil. No. Opposites are equal to what they're opposite of. God has no equal opposite. The devil is a created being. God created him. So if the devil has an opposite, it might be Michael the archangel. But it's another angel, okay? He's also called Beelzebub, believe it or not. You know, I don't know if you know Beelzebub. I hear that, and I remember happy days. 
she, do you remember the episode? There was a character who was the devil in Happy Days, and he would he would ever do a bad thing. He put his arm and he goes, Beelzebub. Some of you remember, yeah. Beelzebub. They were dealing with the devil. Belial isn't used very often. That's another name of Satan. He's also called the tempter. What's the very first thing he did? Was to tempt man and, and woman to sin. He's called the wicked, evil, and lawless one. He's wicked. He's lawless. He's called the prince of this world. Now, that designation is given to him in the New Testament after Jesus Christ died and was resurrected again. Now, Jesus Christ, when he died, it says that he broke the power of the enemy, that he went, it even it said that he ascended into the earth and he set the captives free. So I don't know if you've ever said, wait a second, if Jesus Christ conquered the power of the enemy already, why are we still dealing with him? Have you ever heard about somebody being arrested for a crime, going to court, sentenced for the thing, and then walking free for a month or two before they had to do their sentence? I have. That happens all the time. <laughs> right? Yeah. James is like, yeah, and it shouldn't happen as much as it does. They actually are guilty. They've been, there's nothing more for them to do, and now they're walking around until they pay the punish, pay for their, their crime. They pay their punishment. That happens all the time. That's what's happening with the devil. His future is sure. He was defeated. He will, in the end, spend eternity in hell, chained in the lake of fire forever. Until the end of times, he is still free on the earth with a third of the angels wreaking havoc in my life. Now, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but last night, I've been praying and preparing for this. Last night, I was having quite a dream. And I was in a battle with Satan. And it was horrific. Shannon woke me up because I was quoting in the name of Jesus and quoting Lord Jesus I need you. And the enemy was was absolutely attacking me. And that, that's really strange. It happens to me occasionally. I'm not a real big dreamer. I barely sleep. But um, that dream was like, wow, and, and I was not talking in my sleep. I believe the enemy was visiting me. And he doesn't want us to, he doesn't want us as believers to understand that he's here. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk about that we have authority over him. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. So even in the New Testament, he's known as the prince of this world because he has still power in this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air, if you look in Ephesians the prince of the power of the air. This world was given over to him. He is called the God of this world, the God of this world, the God of this age. Um, I, I, I wanted to read more of these. I'm just kind of giving the names. He's called the deceiver. In fact, we find, we, we find that in John, it says that the enemy, when he speaks, he speaks from within himself, which is lies, because he's the father of lies. Satan is a deceiver. That's all he comes to do. He just comes to deceive. You can't make a good deal with the devil. There is no such thing, because he's a deceiver. He can't offer you. He won't offer you. He's always out to deceive you. He is known as 
of accusers. He's known as the accuser, the accuser of the brethren. The book of Job has one of the uh, biggest times, and this is important for us to understand. Read the book of Job in the very first chapter. It says, as the sons of God presented themselves before God, Satan appeared with them, and he accused Job. And he said, and basically it goes down like this. Have you considered your servant Job? Well, he's righteous and all that, but I, if you would take your blessings from him, he would curse you. And he began to accuse Job to God. And so the whole book of Job is God giving permission for Job to have his way, or for, for, the, for Satan to have his way with Job. Very interesting. So, so the enemy's alive. He even presents himself before the throne of God, and he accuses you. I don't know if you ever thought about or, or, or got the picture from a story or a painting at the end times when we're facing judgment. Um, the courtroom idea where there's a judge and we have a couple of lawyers and, and uh, God is the judge and often they have Jesus is, is our, our our attorney and the uh, uh, the other attorney is Satan himself and all he's doing is accusing and accusing. And sometimes accuse you with things you've done. You get this all the time. Yeah, you think you're righteous. You think you're so holy. What about that time you did this? You think that you're God, you're you're so good. Well, what about that thought you were having last night? And he accuses and he accuses, and we fall in. He's the accuser of the brethren. Revelation twelve ten says, he says he's an angel of light. He masquerades as an angel of light. He's a murderer. He's a murderer. It says in John eight forty four, when it says he's the father of lies. In the passage of Peter, we're, we're discussing this morning, he's a roaring lion. A roaring lion. And another one in the Revelation, he talks about, if you've read the story, the, the series, one of the last books of Polyon, that means destroyer. Satan is the destroyer. These are who he is. He's alive. Unfortunately, he's well. And he's living in America. He's living... Saudi Arabia. He's living all over the place. Now, Satan, that, that, that's actually bad. Let me, let me that. He's not living everywhere because he's not omniscient and he's not omnipresent. He's an angel. He can only be at one place at one time. So I don't think I've ever actually dealt with the devil. I've probably only dealt with demons. I don't think the devil, <laughs> he doesn't need to deal with me. There's plenty of other weaker demons. I'm sure that the devil is, is dealing with people who, who uh, have a lot more influence than us. But his demons are always messing with us. Some of the thoughts that you've had, those crazy, wicked thoughts that you haven't told anyone you had because you were so ashamed of that thought, I believe some of those came right from the devil, right from an, a, a demon. They just plant these crazy thoughts. I don't know if you've ever, I, I've had some like, where did that thought come from? I believe he's always tempting us, always getting us to um, get off. So the enemy with his demons is alive and he's out to kill, to steal, and destroy. So what are we to do? Well, First Peter gives us a little bit. It says we're supposed to be sober and vigilant. And, and, I, and I, there's a little part here that's important to hear. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Guys, with kids, Remember this one? I, you might remember with your own parents. Can I go outside? I don't know. Can you? 
Remember that? Don't you? Didn't you hate that when you did that? Your parents did that to you. Then you started doing as a parent. Well, we're, we're, what, what are we doing? We're teaching them the difference between can ability and may permission. Right? Can is ability, may is permission. And the adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Does he have permission to devour you? Actually, that's up to you. That's up to you. It's up to me. Pastor John Dunn said something. Theologically, I'm, I'm still questioning. Is this a, can a Christian have a demon? Can a Christian have a demon? I think it's greatly summed up in this statement. A Christian can have whatever they want. A Christian can have whatever they want. If you're living in such a way that you are open to the enemy being uh, super involved in your life, I think you can listen to the demon all day long and act just like somebody who... I don't think you can be possessed. I believe scripturally, theologically, a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon. How can God, how can the Holy Spirit live in the same house as Satan? It's not going to happen. I'm not going to ever be possessed. But if I give my thought processes over to uh, evil thinking and wrong thinking enough, if I have sin in my life and I'm not vigilant and I'm not sober, do you think I might start doing, manifesting behaviors that seem extremely demonic? I do. So, don't give the enemy permission. Don't give the enemy permission. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. We love this. We love this. There's some passages that Christians just love. This is one of them. And, and, it's, it's, and it's important that we love it and understand why we love it. Peter writes this. He's, he's chained. He's, he's in prison. Did I say Peter? Paul. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. This is chapter 6. Verse 10 and 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. It's an extremely important passage as we think about the enemy of our souls. We think about the devil and demons and demonology and all of this stuff that we're talking about, what happened last Sunday in, in Texas, what happened in Las Vegas, all the, the, the evil that's coming out is we have to understand we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in a spiritual realm. Christians, we are, are living in a physical realm 
but we need to understand that we're spiritual beings. And the enemy comes in, and he comes in like a flood, the Bible says. And we need to be able to withstand. Now, I want to go over a little bit of the, this, this armor that, that we've talked about, and there's wonderful teachings on it, wonderful um, pictures of this. But one thing it's really important to understand, Paul is looking at a Roman soldier out of his cell, and he's looking at a sword and, and a shield and all this stuff, and he goes, we're at war. And he just begins to help us understand that we're at war. So he chose to help, and he thought, well, let's see, what, you know, what, are, what are our things that we fight with? And he starts writing them to us. Don't get lost in the minutia of, of the shield and of the sword and of the helmet. These are things to help us understand that we're in a battle. And that all the things that we have are important, but they are not physical things. Forgive me if this offends you. If you get up in the morning and literally go, I'm putting on, I'm putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace, I'm putting on a breastplate of righteousness, and you go through these motions, okay? The, sh the, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. If you say the things and do the actions, but didn't read your Bible, didn't promote your faith, haven't shared your faith, aren't prepared to share your faith, won't share your faith, are living in sin and not in righteousness, then please stop what you're doing. It does no good. It's not about an action of, oh, I've, got, I've got the helmet of salvation. It's, it's saying that salvation guards our thinking. It guards our mind. And we need to be people who understand that our mind is safe. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. How is your sword doing? Is it sharp? I sharpen my knives in the kitchen to cut tomatoes all the time. Do we sharpen up the sword of the Spirit so that we can come against the enemy? Or is our Bible sitting on a shelf somewhere six days a week and on Sunday we go, got to take it to church? Have we sharpened our sword? Is your faith growing? The shield of faith which extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy is that relationship and understanding that we have with God that He is our Savior, that He's our protector, and we can grow in our faith. In fact, the book of Jude says you build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. So now you're taking time to pray in the Spirit and hear from God, and your faith increases. Another way your faith increases is when you go through a trial and you come out okay. Now, if in the morning you really think about, thank you, God, for salvation, that my mind is, is clear and I'm not going to have any uh, weapons hit my head, hit my thinking because I, I know you and I'm walking with you because I have the sword and the word of God is in me. And you're going through a process and understand that's part of your life and that helps you praise God. Do that. But don't think that some actions like this is going to help you against the devil. I shouldn't have closed the Now, as I do in every service, I'll confess. 
I like to, I like to confess. Actually, I don't like to confess. I do it because it's important to know that we're all human and we all struggle. I don't always sharpen my sword. I think there's time that my sword isn't as sharp as it should be, that God would have it to be sharper, that I would know the Word of God better, that I would memorize the Word of God better. There are times that I've done too many other things and, and maybe my righteousness, but my breastplate of righteousness isn't as, as good as it should be and there might be some holes on the side in places that's supposed to protect me. I'm not, per I start, when I preach this, I'm, I'm encouraging myself to make sure that I am serving him and growing in these things myself. Back to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, it's really important that we, we see this too. There's a word that, that comes out, I think, four times in here. And it's stand. It's stand. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood, principalities and powers, that spiritual thing, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Verse 14. The next word after withstand, having done all, to stand, the next word in verse 14 is stand. Stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth. And I, I, I didn't even mention that one except when I read it. Are we people of truth? Our waist is supposed to be full of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So he is truth. Are we people of truth? Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the message of salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the peace to all nations. The shield of faith will quench the fiery darts. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spear, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Stand. 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 This is actually a little bit new for me. I've read this hundreds of times. There's, there's probably some passages I've read hundreds of others, definitely not. I've read this hundreds of times. I don't see the word, do all this so that you can win the battle. I want to rewrite it. I want it to say, do all of this and you win. And the, the enemy will never bother you again. That's what I'm looking for. I want that kind of that reset thing. Well, okay, I'm done. Had my battle. We're done. We're told over and over and over here and throughout even First Peter. We're called to stand. Because it's gonna, he's going to keep coming at us. And we're learning how to stand against him. We're learning how to stand and not fall down. We're learning how to lose by standing, remaining firm and steadfast in our faith and in our walk. And we're always encouraged to be aware of the, the tricks of the enemy, the wiles, the, 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 his plans. We're called to be vigilant and sober-minded. We're called to put on the whole armor now. Verse 10. Be strong in yourself and the power of your might. 
right? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on all of your armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Not your armor. His. We're strong in Him, not in ourselves. We put on the armor of God, not of my armor. Yeah, not so good. Who would say amen to that? My armor? <laughs> Filthy rags. Yeah, the breastplate of righteousness. You don't want to see my righteousness breastplate. That you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is a very quick, quick one. That's super deep. The enemy is behind so much that we're seeing today. We used to live in a Christian nation. He has he's been launching attacks at us forever and ever and ever. And less and less people are calling on God. More and more people are becoming atheists. Um, great trick of, of, of the devil. If there is no God, then there is no devil either. And if I want to come and hurt somebody, one of the greatest things I can do is make them think that I don't exist. And then they're not watching out for me. When you don't think there's anyone to steal from you, you leave your doors unlocked. Like we've done in Big Bear for years and years and years. And now many of us in the last few years have started locking our doors up here. Because we actually found out that there are people that want to steal from us. Church, the devil wants to steal from you. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. I've I've said that if, if the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, then God comes to heal, to fill, and to deploy. Okay? But he hates you. Yeah, he hates you. There's that wonderful Christian worship song. He loves us so much. Well, talking about the devil, he hates us so he wants to see your marriage destroyed. He wants to see your family destroyed. He wants to see your faith destroyed. He wants to see you be a minimal Christian. In fact, he'd probably have you be a minimal Christian than an atheist any day because if you're a bad Christian, you're a bad example of Christianity. He just wants to keep you. Right. I mean, he just, but he's got all these tricks. They're not the same for everyone. He knows your faults, your failures, and your weaknesses. There's a, there's a term going out there been out there for a long time. A familiar spirit, if you've heard that. Well, there's, all this, there's a lot of stuff we make up or we try to understand using theorems. A the idea of a familiar spirit is, okay, if these demons have been here and there's a third of the amount of angels in the heaven that are demons, there's probably at least enough for every person. Which means there's likely been a demon who's followed me my entire life who can remind me of every failure and knows every temptation. I never had a problem with drugs. I am never tempted to take drugs. I mean, people don't come up and offer me drugs. They don't. But find somebody whose struggle is drugs. Okay? I won't look at anyone. Find somebody who struggles with drugs, and here's what here's, and, and they'll have a testimony like this. I tried to get off drugs so much that I moved to another city. I was clean, I was doing really good, 
and the first day I went to town, somebody came up to me and offered me drugs. Okay? I've heard that testimony over and over again. And I thought, well, how did that happen? That's never happened to me. You know why? The demon knows that I'm not tempted by that. But the demon who sped time with you is going to bring the right people to harass you. And that would, that's the idea of a familiar spirit. If, if you're going it right now going, oh my gosh, is that why? Yes, that's why. He's got a couple great plans. He's got plans for you to question. He knows your weaknesses and your thoughts. He's going to make you question them all. But we stand firm in faith. And we take the helmet of salvation. And thank you for our salvation. And the breastplate of righteousness. We have truth buckled around our waist. We have faith as our shield. And we understand that God is for us. He can be against us. We're always in the Word, so our sword is getting sharper and sharper all the time. And we fulfill 1 Peter by being sober and vigilant, understanding the devil is prowling around looking for us, for an opportunity for us to give him permission. Because I've I've got to end this message, but I I want you. Christ gave us authority over the power of the enemy in Luke chapter 10. He says, I've given you all authority over the power of the enemy. He wants you to think that you are powerless. It's not true. You are power. You have authority over his power. So when he comes in, you can make authority. And you can walk. Just don't give him permission. Amen. I'm not going to apologize for going late, but I did go late. So I'm going to close in prayer. And, um, and then we're going to have a potluck. So we'll need some help moving some chairs and tables. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have no opposite. You are God, the creator of all things. God, that you've given us authority and power over all the power of the enemy. That you've given us your word to to know how to fight this fight that that we're in in the spiritual realm. God, I pray that each of us in here would help us and would be reminded that we don't wrestle in the natural, but there's a spiritual world. God, that you would teach us, as at the end is said, Ephesians, pray. Pray, pray, watching, persevering, and praying. God, teach us to pray. Teach us to, to walk in the Spirit and to be, uh, be those that are, your righteousness is our righteousness because it's your armor on us. Challenge us, God. I pray that nobody in here would be afraid of the enemy because you've given us the authority over the enemy, but that we'd be aware of the enemy. God, help us to follow you and become more and more spiritually minded people walking in your word, knowing you better. Father, uh, we pray a blessing on this time. And in our time in fellowship afterwards, in our, in our, in our potluck, um, bless that too in Jesus.